Have you done an interview like this? No, because no one wants to know this. They want me to tell them what the Burr method is. I never get to talk about things that aren't real estate. Everyone right. wants to know real estate. Right, right, right. And I think the perception of me is like, he's really good at real estate. And so let's talk about that. Where yeah. I tend, I probably think of myself and other people as, I think this way. And as a result of that, I end up good at real estate. Or I end up good at something else. But like, you're probably not going to learn how to be good at real estate by listening to me talk about real estate. It's right. probably going to be listening to me talk about how I see the world or how I think of things. Because if, if other people have those same changes, real estate becomes easy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. I just, just, just recorded an episode with a very well-known guy in the real estate space and in the GoBundance sphere. His name is David Green. You all know him as, there he is. You all know him as the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, he's obviously a realtor, or he had been a realtor in the past. He's a big-time, big-time real estate investor. And what's great about this episode is, yeah, real estate was kind of mentioned, but it was in the context of a lot of other bigger concepts. We talked about identity. We talked about hierarchy of needs. We talked about all these incredible ideas and thoughts that I've never heard from David before. So I think you're going to find this to be, actually, I know you're going to find this to be a very unique episode because I asked him, do you ever talk about this stuff? And he said, no, man, people want to ask me how to burr, how to you know finance a property, very real estate specific questions, which makes sense. But on this episode, we went a lot deeper than that, including talking about his identity as a podcaster, and whether or not he has the sustainability long-term to remain in that role. What do you hear that part, which uh, we get to as I catch up with all of his thought process. In fact, you'll have to forgive me in the beginning of this uh, podcast. You're going to see me sort of like deer in headlights because what you're about to see just started. And David was already on, you know, quarter of a mile down the road, and I'm trying to catch up to him. And eventually, I think I finally got there. But you're going to really get a lot of stuff that you don't hear, and I hope you enjoy every second of it. Be sure to subscribe. Give us a rating and review. would love to hear what you think about this podcast. And, of course, go to GoBundance.com. Make sure you check out the website. Apply for any level of membership. We've got a community for you. But other than that, check out this episode with David Green. So, like you were saying, protection is your first instinct. You're going to be doing that. Yeah. It's a conscious effort if you're trying to actually be present, enjoy. Because that's probably what your wife wants. Is she's yeah. like, we finally worked hard to get here. Let's connect. I mean, that's, when people say be present, what they're really talking about, I think, is connection. Yeah. But we're like, no, there's, the White Walkers are coming. I need to be in the fort. <laughs> I need to be training the sword. I need to be finding allies. <laughs> White I need to be preparing. Like, we yeah. have archers on the walls, and I need to check in with them. Like, no we shit. can't be connecting when the zombies are coming Correct. to go kill us. And like, it's very easy to tell someone, Oh, what you need to do is be present. And I, that drives me nuts when in any group you're in, whether it's GoBundance or something else, when you give someone advice that they probably already know, but you don't address what is stopping them from doing it. Mm. So like telling someone you need to be in better shape, you don't want to die early. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. But Thank like you. everyone knows that there's not a human being alive. That's like, I want to be unhealthy. There's something compelling them to get into it, whether it's bad habits, whether it's demons in their past that they haven't dealt with, whether it's like the like Dr. Kelly was talking about yesterday, stuff from his wife's childhood that makes her be like, my stepdad was abusive to me. I will never let another man do it. So she responds by flipping him off. And then, you know, his response of I'm on my own in this world, I have to figure things out. Mm. That's what's driving you to argue. Yeah. And that isn't where the majority of the conversations go. We're just told you're doing it wrong. You should do it right. And I hate that because what it does is it creates shame in the human that knows they should be eating better, they should be exercising, they should True. be more present, yeah. because you're never addressing what's stopping that from happening, which is where the real struggle is. So do you have to have the breakdown then? Meaning like, so, or, or 
in order to in order to achieve presence without being shamed into because you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, you should be this way. I'm the same way. Like if somebody says you shouldn't eat that burger, I'm fucking eating the burger. Right. Because mm-hmm. like in that moment, like that's, that's what I want. Don't tell me what I'm going to do. Maybe there's some defiance in there. But in order to in order to then have, you know, be present, do I need to in some ways break my relationship? Does that have to happen? Is it necessary for that to happen in order for me to achieve presence, in your opinion? When you say break the relationship, what do you mean? Go go beyond the brink of whatever's acceptable to my significant other or to anybody's significant other. Like, in other words, am, am I able, how do I, how do I achieve presence? How do I do? Cause you're right. It is uh, something you actively, actively have to do. How do I do it without, you know, being corrected into it or being, mm. getting to a point where it breaks. and I'm like, Oh shit, I got to change my way. It's like, uh, how do I do it before I have the heart attack? How do I eat healthy before I have the heart attack? Or do I have to have the heart attack? No, you, you can get there. It's probably not going to happen without intervention from someone else, though. So what will typically happen is we know we should be eating better. We should be exercising. We should be saving our money. We should be building passive income. All the shoulds yeah. is not a surprise. We're living in the information age. Every video you see is some influencer who's acting like they've already done it and telling you in a subconscious way, I'm better than you, and so you should be doing what I'm doing. And you're like, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. It never gets addressed on why you're not. So what will usually happen is the consequences of that thing hit you. You feel pain. And now you're like, oh, I just have to have open heart surgery. I need to eat better. Mm. You knew you needed to eat better before that. I don't think it works to just tell someone, well, what you really need to do is something. And then we'll bring in accountability. Well, you need a partner that's going to hold you accountable to eating better, okay? Well, that just creates more shame. Yeah, right. Because you know when you ate that burger and you got to tell your accountability partner, the first couple times willpower will be enough to like, okay, I don't want to eat the burger. But if you want the burger, you will inevitably find a way to eat that thing without someone else saying it, right? So what I think the key is, is you got to figure out how to make yourself want the thing that you're being told you should have. Mm. If you know you should have health, but you don't want it, you're not going to do it. If you know you should be present with your spouse, but you don't want that, you're not going to do it. The real accountability to me is not, did you do it or did you not do it? I get to check a box and say, I held someone accountable. It's getting in the ditch with them and loving them and saying, I'm going to like ascend might not be the right word, but in certain areas of life, maybe you're struggling area that I'm not in that you can paint a picture of I'm sitting above that problem. Mm. I'm not sucked into that. It is willingly climbing down from that place where I'm safe and I'm good and getting in the mud with you and, and living your experience to figure out why this is hard. And when I can see what is going on, which is going to be my stepdad was horribly mean to me. And now I will never let a man tell me what I can, whatever that case is, when I can see that clearly, I am now in a position that I can't help you. I can help with accountability and I can actually help let the desires for natural health or natural connection come out. There's something blocking it is Mm. what I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah. 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 That's what, that's how you get to the point where you change what you eat before the open heart surgery. Mm. But that isn't what you get told. You just get told, find the power within you. There's some lion roar and you get this big emotional experience from like a Tony Robbins type event. You're like, I need to be better. And then you go a week from that and then no one's looking, you slip right back into the habits. Cause if you can't make yourself want it, you're not going to do it. Wow, man. This is it. This is, we are recording. Yeah. All of this is being recorded. That's deep. What, is this where you spend your time when you're not building a real estate portfolio yeah, or know, on bigger pockets? I was <laughs> thinking when I started talking, like I never get to talk about things that aren't real estate. Right. Everyone wants to know real estate. Right, right, right. And I think the perception of me is like, he's really good at real estate. And so let's talk about that. Where yeah. I tend, I probably think of myself and other people as 
I think this way. And as a result of that, I end up good at real estate yeah. or I end up good at something else. But like, you're probably not going to learn how to be good at real estate by listening to me talk about real estate. It's right, probably right. going to be listening to me talk about how I see the world or how I think of things. Because if, if other people have those same changes, real estate becomes easy. Whatever it is that's important to them becomes easy when you address the actual, like, I guess I have a view of human beings as we are being pulled towards things we're supposed to want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are wounds we go through, challenges we have, whatever, that create obstacles that we hit that ceiling, and then we just stop and we look for another way around it. Okay, yeah, so sure. That makes what sense. What ends up happening is you get a guy that just is like uh, dyslexic. He, he can't read. He feels stupid in school. He hits the ceiling. So he gets super into fitness because he just, all he knows is it makes him feel better. He doesn't know why. Yeah. Or you get a person that was never fit and then they get a little taste of money and they're like, oh, that's all I want. And mm. they just become obsessed with making money because that's where they feel good. Most of the time, the things that we're all celebrating about ourselves are not always amazing achievements. They could actually be like, you have really big biceps because you're skipping leg day every single day. And you're, sure. you're making sure that your legs never show up in pictures and you're never going <laughs> snowboarding because your legs are so weak, right? Sure. You're just only showing up in areas where your biceps are going to be shown, to use yeah. that analogy. And like we end up celebrating the guy with the big biceps. He just had to get big biceps. And then now his whole identity is wrapped up in the biceps. He's never going to go do leg day. Hmm. Now, where it, it's almost the opposite. Like the areas where we are exceeding and excelling the best could be the result of a source of weakness that we have in our lives. And it takes a special friend who's going to be willing to look into that and see and care as opposed to, oh, he has the biceps, he has the money, he's good with girls, he's good at whatever. Let me just go find out what the secret is of what that person does so that I can have it too. You're still using that person for yeah. what they can offer you. You're not looking to offer them something. What, um, what drives you? What gets you to this point? Like what in your life do you have because of your ability to, you know, either... Yeah. What, what gets you to where you are? What is it that, that you get leverage on yourself with, if that makes any sense? Can you define me by like leverage on myself? So what you're saying is essentially that, you know, you go through, you have, you have to want it. You have to create want or not even create, but there has to be something that makes you want yeah. whatever it is that you're, you're like, you should want that. But if you don't, you're not going to go for it. Willpower can only get you so far. So what in your life do you have because you created want or you were able to figure out how to hack your way to want or want was bestowed upon you. However, want became your thing where it wasn't willpower to want, but true want What's something in your life you have because of that. And how did you achieve that want? I think my law enforcement career was a huge desire where I just had this feeling like I need to do this. Hmm. And, and if I look back at like, I think God led me into that because my, my experience as a kid was I did not have a good relationship with my dad. I was never enough. I mean, many men are going to say that, right? My dad was just a troubled man emotionally. His dad committed suicide when my mom was pregnant with me. His dad had been mentally ill. By the time his dad shot himself in the head, my dad was so hardened that he was scraping his dad's brains off of the garage wall. He didn't even like have another person do that. He just went in there and cleaned it up himself. Holy shit. So he's, I guess my dad would have been 23 yeah. at that time. My mom's 21. They're pregnant with me. He's been married a couple of years. That happens. That whole side of the family was just like completely emotionally shut dead. down. Yeah, yeah. Completely dead. Just zombies, like walking corpses that I just thought was normal because that's what life was like for me growing up. That was, that's how he was. That's how other people were. So I don't know that it was that my dad wanted to be that way. I think he just didn't have anything to give, man. It was like trying to get like blood out of a stone to get any love or acceptance. Like I just, I think he looked at emotions as weakness and that's going to equal pain. Mm. He didn't want me to be weak. He was constantly like grooming me to be stronger. And so I got a lot of pushing me into manhood before I was ready and not enough like acceptance or love, or I like you to balance it out. Yeah. 
So that led to me just having massive confidence issues. Like no little kid thinks, oh, my dad is struggling with stuff. I didn't know the whole picture. You just think there's something wrong with me. He doesn't like me. He wishes. I struggled all the time with like he would coach me in baseball. And there was always a kid on the team better. And I'd see like he he would light up at that kid. Oh, wow. Like he wishes that was his son. Right. I would be, I literally would think thoughts like, God, just kill me today and give my dad a better son because I'm never going to be able to make him proud. How old? Like six, seven, eight years old. Kill like, me today. I would, and I was thinking like in a benevolent way, it would be better for the world if I was just dead and he could have a son he likes because there's something wrong with the way you made me. Wow. And so all these things like I have scoliosis. Um, I have this condition where I have, a, it's called a vasovagal reflex where under conditions of stress or trauma or just being sick or working out too hard, my blood vessels will dilate very quickly and my blood pressure will drop. Like, because they expand so much, you can't get blood all the way up to my brain. So as a young kid, I'd have these issues, especially if I was sick, where I'd be like, I'd pass out. I can't help it. Or if I go in a sauna, sit in there too long, I'll literally just gone, right? And there would be lots of cases where this would happen. Well, I would interpret that like, dude, there's just, when I came out the manufacturing place, I was broken. Flawed, yeah. Every little thing like that, I wouldn't look at like, oh, this is just a challenge to overcome. It's like, this is more proof that I'm not good enough, that there's something wrong with me. And so I grew up with that attitude of like, anytime I saw something I wanted to do, I wanted to play a sport, I wanted to join a group, I I wanted to make a friend with a popular kid. I always had a feeling like, well, I don't deserve that. So I got to go above and beyond to Mm. prove why I'm worth whatever. Well, no one likes the kid that's trying super hard to be true. Like that's the worst way. It's the awkward kid, right? Horrible. High five me. High five. Or like you're just kissing someone's butt. (laughs) The first thing that when you don't respect yourself, it gives people a message. I don't have to respect you either. And there's a handful of special people in the world that will see that and look past it. But the majority of them don't. And then that just reaffirms this belief that, yeah, you're not good enough because I'm constantly being rejected by the people I'm trying to prove myself to, okay? So this, I really felt like God put that in my heart to get into law enforcement because it forced me to, like, confront all of those thoughts. There was no way around it. It was this feeling of, like, there's this obstacle, this ceiling that stops me from getting what I want. I would have never pushed through it. I just hit it, come back down, find something else, try to go that way. Um going like I had such a strong desire like I have to do this that it shoves its way through that ceiling in like a in a very difficult way but when you're asking like what are some of the wants that I had God put that desire in my heart to go do this I was forced to confront am I not good enough Mm. right when when I was in the academy I remember graduating near the top of like one of the best classes we ever had it was all mostly military guys they had just gotten out of special forces they had a huge advantage going into a paramilitary I didn't even know like what I didn't know what standing at attention was. And on the first day, they're like dropping people because they're doing it the wrong way. And I remember we had 64 people, 42 of us graduated. I ended up eighth in the whole class. And number two out of the 22 of us that were in the sheriff's office, the only guy that was higher than me, his brother was actually already a a sergeant in the sheriff's office. So he was kind of like a shoe in. Yeah, yeah, sure. And being shocked looking at that, like I did that good. Hmm. And like the amount of respect I saw from the training people and the other people was like, oh, I'm not used to feeling this. This is a, I saw myself differently as I saw myself through their eyes in that moment, right? And then you just got to start working in a high security detention facility where you're, I basically got, because I was near the top of the class, I got assigned to like the fast track best jail to work in. And you've got guys like hardened killers, murderers, nasty gang members, and they're defying you. And you're like, no, MFR, like you are going to do what I say, right? (laughs) And I remember just being scared out of my mind doing that. And and a a moment I remember walking a murderer from his cell to like this punishment room because he had given me attitude or something. And it was going through my head like this guy, I'm I'm basically like making this murderer my bitch. Like I can't believe.
believe this is what my life has turned into. Like, who is this guy that right. is looking these guys in the eye, like right in the lion's den? This is a high for you, though. Absolutely. Right? Not time. like, oh, my God, this is so sad. But like, no. Holy fuck, this yeah, is Yeah, I, I should have made it sound like that. I was like, I can't believe that I've become this strong of a man. No, that, I, that's what I mean. I don't yes. mean like, yeah, I, I, I take people down. But like that you've gone from. No, it wasn't a shameful thing at all. Right, like, right, right. You've I gone from. Thought, I thought I was not good enough to ever be this man. Sure. And I'm like. A new identity was forming, right? And that's where a lot of the depression and the lack of confidence and all the other things we struggle with, those, you could call them ceilings, Mm. they didn't go away because I just said, I affirm myself that I am a good person or I'm Mm. a strong man. They went away when I got in the arena and I actually saw victory in these areas and a new identity was formed as I am not afraid. They're going to be afraid of me. They may be crazy. I will be crazier. I will outsmart, outwit, out whatever it is. The criminal's like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to live my life in fear. And it like opened up all these doors for other things to happen. So when we talk about what were some of the desires you had that helped you to move forward, I think all of us, especially like I can relate to the male struggle more. We already have them. Mm. Okay. Our identity is that we don't believe that we could be that or that that's in the cards for us, right? And that was formed at a young age, childhood, teenage years. It, it could be something as simple as you asked out the first girl you liked and she laughed at you. Sure. You're like, I will never do that again. Like your identity is now, I'm not a guy who's good with girls. Right. And you will carry that for the next 60 years of your life and you will act as that person continually reinforcing it. I think the key is, is doing things that force you to challenge the identity that you're carrying. Doing things that force you to challenge the identity that you're carrying? And that's where friends can really okay. step in to help yeah. because like you will have a guy in this group that you know very well and you'll see him struggle and you'll have this feeling like, why does he, he's so smart. Why does that guy think he can't do this? Or that person is so driven. Why are they carrying around an extra 40 pounds? Like it just doesn't make sense how they are so good in this area of life and not in that. They probably have a wound in this area that they're struggling with that they don't see, but we can. Mm. Right. And that's what true friendship is or Brotherhood is when I see you more clearly than you see you. I see the flaw in your identity, and I don't let you just believe that you're not good enough. That's right? real accountability. Right. That's exactly yeah. what I mean. Like that's what this, the statement I made a minute ago about challenging your identity. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes you need another person to do that. Yeah. What is there a? a, a well, let me go back one second because this is in my head. When you went through your teenage years or, or preteen years or whatever, did did, did benevolent. Lord, take me ever turn into depressive suicide, suicide ideation for you? I mean, it sounds like that's an easy path there. Oh, yeah. I had suicidal thoughts the whole time. In your teens? Even before that, as a young kid and then into preteen and into teenage years. How did you overcome that? Was it just never, I don't know. Yeah, How did you overcome that? Or what, what kept you going? That's a good point. I think, I think knowing that doing that would have hurt my mom, um, there was like always just enough of a pilot light of hope that in those bad times, I was like, the reason I would do that would be to make the world a better place because getting rid of me would make the world a better place. Right. But there's another option. I could be a better me. And I think what happened is under the weight of that, like either you kill yourself to make the world a better place or you become a better you to make the world a better place. That iron will that I'm going to do this, like it forces you to almost like strengthen those muscles. Yeah, sure. If you're going to get through it. Right. And I became a very stubborn person. Like to this day, there's a lot of people that would say, like, you can't make David do anything. <laughs> you can make him want to sure. or he's not going to do it, right? Like, and it's not always bad. In many areas, that can be a positive. In other areas, it can be a struggle. Um, but I think that's where that came from was that, like, if I don't improve and I don't fix this stuff, I'm going to end up committing suicide. 
where has being stubborn been a struggle for you? What, what are, where in your life are, are, is there emptiness or lack or whatever because you're stubborn? I think like carrying around extra weight for a long time. I was very skinny when I was younger. I developed a complex about just because skinny equals weak. And I always felt weak in front of my dad. So I hated how skinny I was. I never looked at it like, oh, I'm fit. I was like, I'm not a man. I'm not, I'm a skinny guy. And then I got bigger. And then when he died, I went into a terrible cycle of depression because I just was like, it's too late to ever make him proud. It was terrible. I, I was 27 when my dad say you were still a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up just giving up on life in a lot of ways, eating a ton of food. It wasn't long after that, that I ended up probably a couple years after that, I got involved with GoBundance. I was very overweight and I knew it wasn't good. I I wouldn't have ever argued and been like, there's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't care enough to want to change it. Right. My stubbornness, there was people that were like, yeah, do you want to get like, they kind of hint at, do you care about fitness more? I was like, you would have had to take a jackhammer to me to get me to care enough to actually confront it. Right. That's an area where the stubbornness was not helping. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You, um, you mentioned about, you know, somebody helping you or will or seeing the uh, identity shift in you that you need and challenging your identity or Uh helping you challenge your identity. You're a cop for how long? How many years were you a cop? I started when I was about 25 and I did it until I was probably 35 or so about 10 years. Where did real estate come in and where was that push? Was that was that somebody challenging you or was it just something organically that grew I fell in into you? it accidentally? What do you so mean? like, so Tim Rode, it kind of recruited me to work for him as a prospector. That's how I know about GoBundance at all was my relationship with Tim. He He's was local to you, right? TK, yeah. 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 And he was like a celebrity in town. Yeah. He had commercials on TV. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd seen this guy. So he calls me and he's like, hey, I heard about what a hard worker you are. I'm just curious if you want to come work for me. And I was like, the guy on TV is asking me to come work for him. Yes. I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I'm looking for a prospector. I had no idea what that meant. Sure. I, like, I just, that's a guy that gets gold out of the ground. I'm like, okay. So I go to his house to meet. What he wanted was a cold caller. I'm just sitting there calling people and talking to them. Like, for my personality, it's the worst thing ever. I hated, hated, hated sure, doing sure. that. But I still did it anyways, right? I did that for Tim. I helped him get some like flips under contract and he was buying all these properties that were going into default before he could. And then I just hit like a depressing point in my life where I couldn't do that and work in restaurants and go to school. So I ended up dropping that off. But Tim just being the amazing freaking salt of the earth guy that he is, he stayed in touch with me all those years. He wasn't like, you quit on me. How could you? He just was such a good guy. And so I had a friend that was moving away to go to Bible college I had been a deputy for maybe a year or two. I was very good at saving money before I got into real estate. Sure. When I graduated college, I had my car paid for, my school paid for, and 100 grand in the bank because mm. I just went to work at a restaurant like every single night and saved that money. So I had a big chunk of money, and then I had worked overtime as a deputy, so I had some money there. The market cr- collapses in 2009. My buddy's got a house in contract. He's moving to go to Bible college. He's going to lose his earnest money. And I just was like, well, why don't I go look at it? Maybe I'll buy it and they'll give you back your earnest money. That's how I ended up buying my first property. That's cool. Zero intention. I didn't sit down and journal out and say, this is where I want my life to go. I fell into it bass backwards completely. What happened is after that first house and I went through the trials of trying to figure out how to do it, I would have sold it and never did it again because the experience was bad. I just couldn't because the market hadn't corrected yet. Then uh, my mom the next year said, hey, there's a house down the street. Do you think you might want to buy that just as a mom who wants her son to live close, right? Yeah. So I ended up buying it, but I didn't move into it. I made it a rental <laughs> property. And she like, <laughs> it wasn't super thrilled. Well, that's right? not the point, right? Yeah. So I've got two houses. I hire a better property manager. I'm like, oh, this is way easier when you get a better person. But I still was like, this is just a place to stick money, right? Then my grandmother died. That was my dad's mom. She died about a year after him. No, a year before him. Before your father. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up buying her house from the family. And the next thing you know, I've got three houses and my identity shifts. Mm. I'm a real estate investor. It's who I am. 
That's interesting. And I got very serious about saving money, working overtime, buying houses. Like I don't, something just clicked. Like this is just what I do. I talked about it. People started to see me as the real estate investing guy. I was like, now you see these 24 year olds that are buying real estate all the time. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have YouTube. No one thought about buying a house unless they were, they just got married Mm -hmm. and they were going to have a kid or something. Right. So it was weird to be 26 years old, 27 years old and have a couple houses, especially in the cop world. Like that was not a thing that was happening. So my identity just started to form in this way. And then I got really serious about buying real estate. But again, it wasn't like I just sat down and said, I should do this. Mm. There was a switch that happened with how I saw myself that led to me then investing my own energy into that endeavor. This is interesting on identity real quick, because I've made this point, I believe, and you're challenging it a bit. So I don't know if this is the only time where action led to an identity shift for you, but I've always felt like it's the other way. Like you're not going to truly take that action. Maybe it's kind of what you're saying about until you want to, until your identity shifts. Like I think about me leaving a job and becoming an an entrepreneur. And I always struggled with like, can I really call myself that? I didn't do the, Mm -hmm. you know, lawn mowing when I was 10 and hire my friends and all that shit. I didn't do that. So, so for me, it was like, I had to shift my identity, almost like telling the universe, like, Hey, I'm over here now. And then the action steps and the want formed from that. Is that your experience typically, or are you more, no, actually action creates identity for me. I don't think you will identify as anything that you don't have a love for. Can you tell me anything that you say, this is part of my identity, that you just don't love it? No. That's, That's a great point. Identity isn't will. You don't just yeah, will right. yourself into it. It doesn't work, right? As you fall in love with this thing, you begin to build an identity around what that is. So yeah. you see a lot of people, obviously they'll say, I am a father. I don't hear the guys that I was arresting as cops that hadn't seen their kids for seven years. They did not identify as a father. Hmm. They were Pookie from 64th Street. <laughs> sure. They're a member of this gang. Like their identity was wrapped up in what they loved. Yeah. Okay. Like if you're really fit, you probably like fitness. You probably like the attention you get from having a really nice body. That's why you build your identity in fitness. Hmm. So I think that's why I get back to you can't make yourself do anything that sure. you don't like. You have to find a way to have a desire to do it. And then what you can do is take actions to stoke the fire. You can quench it or you can stoke it with what you do. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think you can just create fire out of nowhere. I can't just say, I want to be this or I want to identify as that. You have to already have a desire to do it. And then the repeated actions make that like the more houses I bought, the stronger of an identity I formed as a real estate investor. The more that I invested in my law enforcement career, the more my identity began to form as a cop. Hmm. Like that's, I, I guess, to answer your question when you're talking about can you just make up your mind, I'm going to do it and build an identity, only if there's some form of love. But our control is we have so much energy, so much time, so much uh, emotion. We get to pick what road that yeah. goes into and what fires we stoke. Yeah. What's your identity beyond real estate investor? Oh, man, that's a really good one. I think I am, well, a Christian would be like the biggest identity, right? And like, not in the sense of I ascribe to a certain set of religious rules. Like, that's a big issue, I think, in our world is we will throw words around without defining what we mean by them. Christian, you're saying a faith in Christ, not an allegiance to some specific church or entity, correct? That's exactly right. And not a, I check, like, when it's almost like you grow up in certain environments, like if you grow up in a, uh, a bad neighborhood, you probably have to pick a gang. It's not an option to not be in a gang. Because if you're not in a gang, you're getting picked on all the time, right? So you pick whichever one you think you got the best shot at. I think a lot of people end up in religion because of that. You got to pick something. My family is a blank. So I'm a blank. But you never actually sat down and evaluated and said, do I believe this stuff? Do I even care? Is my identity in that? It's just a thing you're supposed to go do. Much like going to college or or other decisions we have to make, right? When I say that I'm a a Christian, it's more of a, I believe that, uh, like, 
we are the <laughs> we're born into a world that hates us with an enemy out there that wants to see us destroyed that we tend to not uh, give credit to for why so many bad things are happening. Mm. We, we tend to look at ourselves and we say, I'm just like my issues as a kid, I'm not good enough. I should just die. I don't looking back. I don't think those voices were coming out of me. Hmm. I think there was something external that was whispering that stuff. And because it made sense, I grabbed a hold of it and actually thought, well, my dad hates me. So if I hate me, then that would make him proud. Yeah. In a weird, sick way, it. that makes no. a lot of sense, right? Yes. Um, and then there's a, a God who, who intended for us to be in a relationship with him and uh, lost that be- when these, these, this evil influence, whatever you want to call it, came in and started to deceive us. They hate us because they hate him, right? It's much more like a Lord of the Rings tale than it would be just a set of rules that I'm like, these are the rules we follow. And this religion says these are the rules that we follow. So I, I mean, I don't even like to use the word Christian in that sense, because it comes yeah. with a stigma. Connotation. Like, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, well, that must yeah. mean uh, you judge people and you think you're Correct. better than them Correct. for whatever. No, I judge myself by those same rules and I'm failing more than a lot of those same people. I just would say, I recognize these things that I'm doing are wrong, but I'm a slave to doing them. It's very difficult for me to stop. And like, I need God's intervention or the intervention of other people that love me, people that are like motivated by his love. I like, I think Tim, Tim absolutely was a godsend. I've never talked to him about what motivated him, but Tim was the one that cared about my career when he didn't have a reason to. Then I'm a cop and I guess we're kind of jumping around. No, it's okay. Tim was like, never stop trying to get me to come to these GoBundance events. I mean, I didn't want to do it because it was five grand. I'm like, I'm just not going to pay money. I'm a saver, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's just like inviting me, inviting me, inviting me. And then finally one day he's like, okay, if you don't join GoBundance, you can't keep coming to the events. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm just thinking in my head, I just won't come to the events. Come, right? It was my relationship with Tim that mattered so much. I'm like, stubborn. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Wow, like, he dragged you out of that's it. What, yeah. I didn't want to let Tim down. Sure, like, sure. I didn't even really want to be in GoBundance. I didn't want to hurt him. Like, I feel like I owed that guy, which he took took the fact in a sense I did owe him. And instead of cashing it in to get something out of it for him personally, mm. he cashed in my, my debt to him to get me into a situation that would help me. Like that's what love does. I was about to say ultimate expression of love. I was Completely. just about to say those words. Right? Yeah. And so like in that sense, he was an agent of God. Yeah. And then I, and I was just completely wrapped up in law enforcement. That's, I was just going to work a hundred hours a week until I died and mm. use that money to buy real estate. It was, it was a trap I couldn't get out of. He brings me in, and then a couple other guys saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Aaron West, Daniel Del Rio, Daniel Ramsey, Tim Rode were at, at Daniel's cabin a long time ago. And they were just like, you are too smart to be a cop. Nothing wrong with being a cop, but like, what the F are you doing? When you could be selling houses as an agent, buying more real estate, you could do anything you want, and you're working 20-hour days, not even liking it. And I did not think I was smarter than anyone else that was a cop. Like, I just didn't see what they saw. And it was them basically saying, you are going to commit to us right now that you will give yourself one year to get, to get out of law enforcement. You're going to work no overtime that they don't force you to work. You get your real estate agent's license. You do both for a year, and then you're going to pick, am I going to be a full-time agent or not? And like, it was, again, that whole, I don't want to do that, but I don't want to let them down. Sure. Like, they have my best. Why are these four guys that I barely know this passionate? Replacement fathers. In a, and brothers, brothers, in a sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it didn't make sense that they would care this much what I did with my life when yeah. I just met them. So like, you could sense there's something divine that's happening within that group. Like, it wasn't just them. It's normal for human beings to want to use you in a way that will benefit them. Mm. Okay? Like, True. if they could see some way that me, be an agent on my team or come work for me or whatever the case would be, right? There was nothing in it for any of them. They just could see something in me that I couldn't see. They called that out. 
that helped me to make the decision that I needed to make. I ended up my first year full time was the top agent in my office. Oh shit. Yeah. Now my identity is I'm the top producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I got a taste of that. I'm not letting that go. I'm is that part of your identity today? I hated being an agent. So effectively, <laughs> no. No, I think I see myself more as like a educator of yeah. agents more. Uh, I didn't, I don't, I'm glad that I moved that on. But once I was the top person and I realized, okay, my identity is in the top KW guy, but I don't like doing it. And instead of just letting it go, I was like, well, how do I build a team? Mm. So I, cause I do like that. I like educating the people. I like training them. I like coaching them. Then I became one of the top teams within Keller Williams, right? So the identity shifts, I guess. It's not like you pick this or that. No, right. like, oftentimes you start off with an identity as a salesperson, which turns into a real estate agent, which turns into a business person, which turns into an educator, and it gets more refined at every stage. Yeah, you learn, you learn the elements of what you're doing that you, you best identify with or you want to do, right, as you go. You know, it's not like people do that, especially when they want to quit their job. Their, their whole thing, I just spent five days with people talking about this. It's like the fear is, what am I going to do? Because whatever I choose, I got to stick with. That's kind of the W2 mindset, right? I've been, I've been this for 20 years, so the next 20, and it's like, actually, the thing you do is version 1.0, and short af shortly after that, you're going to be at version 6.0, 7.0, as you figure out, you know, as you navigate the waters, if you will. Do you identify as a podcaster and influencer? I don't identify as an influencer, and that's like almost a problem in that space. I was going to ask you about this, yeah. Because I think if I did identify as one, I would be way more successful. I would put more time into making content. I'd make more sensationalized content that gets more views. I'd be having the conversations that all those people in my space have. Why don't you? Oh, that is a really good question. My heart is not in that. Like a lot of it, my heart is in... Helping people sound so cheesy at it because that. Well, your heart's in education, you said, right? Educating agents, at least. But in this phase, do you not see it as education? Or in this space, I should say, do you not see it education as education? Education is still really broad. I guess a more accurate way is my heart is in helping people pursue excellence. That's true. In fact, what I would say, what I see of you is you, you're, I think of you and then your predecessor, Brandon. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, you're, you're essentially looking to accomplish the same thing mm -hmm. and helping people in that regard. He tends to be, let me rosy it up, but no, there's some stuff that you should be aware of. And you tend to be more like, it's, it, I think I just saw a tweet uh, that you repurposed recently. It's like, whatever it says, investing in real estate isn't easy, yeah. right? Like you, you're very point, on yes. point about, look, this is not for the faint of heart. So you're more, I want to protect you by being real with you, I think would be a, a phrase. That's a great way to put it. Like, and that manifests in the different ways that we act out being influencers. So Brandon's method, first off, let me say this. If you're trying to make more money, I'm not doing it the right way. Right, no. The Brandons, the Ryan Pinedas, yeah. the Grant Cardones, they are, they're going to make more money, get more followers, do better at the job of being an influencer because what they're doing is they're taking these little seeds that maybe certain people have never heard before, like real estate is a way to make money or saving money is good. And they're putting that message in this really tasty package that you're going to be drawn towards, mm. okay? I'm much more geared towards, like, I don't want to... I'm not going to water it down so much that more people are going to want it, right? right? I'm almost more geared towards the people that are already in that space and they can't figure out why it's not working that's where cool. I'm going to punch right into the gut. And that's why, like I was telling you, I'm more interested in discussing why you're not doing better at what your goals are than telling you to make goals. Mm. And I don't know that I'm saying I'm right and they're wrong. Like my heart is just in a different place and I will probably with where my heart is, never be an incredible influencer. I'm never going to be, a great analogy is Brandon's a light bulb. Mm. He, he can get everyone to see him. His energy is spread and everyone can see it and benefit. Yep. I'm like a laser. Yeah. I'm going to pierce through very difficult obstacles, but 
most of the world never even see what's going on. Like my energy is usually much more concentrated than the influencers that have a gift for being appealing to masses of people. Are you uncomfortable with your influence with your celebrity? In a lot of ways I am. I think in a lot of ways I'm like, I know at any minute, like the musical chairs could end. How so? It, well, first off, who, tell me a, a famous real estate investing guru from six years ago. <laughs> Grant Cardone. He's the, the only, only one. one. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Grant Cardone still relevant six years? Uh, is he educating people on how to buy real estate? Nah. He's raising money to buy his own real estate. Right, that's true. And he's just become this like grandiose person. He's the only one that anyone can remember from six years ago. And I'm never going to be a Grant Cardone. I'm never going to be this bombastic, sensationalistic person that gets your emotions all stirred up. And you don't want to be. No. Right. So is being a podcaster part and parcel with being an influencer? And if so, are you in willpower by being a podcaster? Is it identity or is it willpower? No, I enjoy being a podcaster because my specific type of podcasting is educating, mm. right? Or it's getting to the root of this story and pulling out the three things that someone can actually take and go apply right away. But I'm not ignorant. Like I am only able to be a podcaster because Bigger Pockets does all the producing. Sure. They're choosing the guests. They're editing the show. I don't have that heart to want to like sit and film for 12 hours and then edit what I just made and then look at the analytics and say, what did people want to watch? And then think, okay, they want more of this, so let me make a more clickbaity title to get more people. I look at that like people would lose credibility for me as a man mm. if I was making these. These are the huge things to look out for. And why? then you watch the why video. Would, why would you lose credibility? Where does that come from? Because when I watch a video like that and someone puts a title in there like, here's how I made a million dollars. And then what I see is not something anyone else can actually go do. I lose respect for the person that made the video. Like if you talk to me that way in real life, David, join this group. You're going to be a millionaire in a year. This is the secret to doing. And I get here and you're like, okay, you need to go door knocking every day on a hundred doors and say this script. And like, no one's going to do that. Right. They wanted to be a millionaire or they would like to be a millionaire. They don't want to be a millionaire. They're not going to do the work, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of what makes you big in that space is this uh, big promise that you're offering that people then go give you their attention or their likes or their money or whatever it is to get a result that you're not going to be able to deliver on. I don't talk to someone like that in my normal life. If you were like, hey, David, I want to be really good at jujitsu or something, right? And you said, I'm willing to do it like once a month uh, for the next three years and I need to be a black belt. Like, I would just say, don't, then don't do this. Mm. Like, that is not what this is like. Like, this is what you actually have to do if you want to be good at it. The people who are going to sell the jujitsu memberships are like, great, sign right up. Like, let's get your money and let's hope that you forget that we're even on an auto pay. It's, yeah. just, it's, a, it's a form of personality that doesn't, I don't think, translate well into being an influencer, but it works specifically within the bigger pockets environment. Has, it, has anybody violated that with you? Like, has Brandon ever crossed that line? As far as? As far as uh, uh, the rosy, sunny, clickbaity sort of stuff, because he's a marketer, right? So he's putting content out like that. So you know him, so you know who he is, so you don't have that belief right. as a faith-based human. He's a faith-based human that he has an ill intent, but has his content ever crossed that line for you? No, because I don't think Brandon's ever made promises he didn't deliver on. Fair. I think Brandon's, his, his, we make content like how our personalities are. It's such an amplification. <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah. Brandon is a person who is just this like big, warm, loving, encouraging person who will figure it out as he gets there. Yeah. I'm not a jump out of the plane and build your, your parachute on the way down person. Yeah. Right? I could not in good conscience make content like what Brandon does. Makes sense. Because I don't see the world from the way he does. Everything I did was calculated and strategic and I lined up the dominoes and like I can teach people how to, how to do that, right? Uh, I think the difference between Brandon and I would probably be he sees that as a business person, you're better off 
to do it the way he does it. And I think he's 100% right. Mm. I, I'm probably a better compliment to a Brandon. Like, we are better. It's better to pair me. Bigger pockets functions in the same way. Yeah. They're this huge, huge light that everyone's drawn to. Then you get there and you're like, oh, not quite, not quite, not quite. You find David Green and you're like, I like that guy. Right. 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 I'm not going to draw the people in. But like when I was partnered with Brand, I think what made it magical was he would bring you in and then I would grab you when you were there. Right. So like, yeah. and I guess in business, that is a thing that I have to be cognizant of is like, I have these skills, but I don't have these. Sure. Right. Great three point shooter on a basketball team. <laughs> right. 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 Not going to be the rebound guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yep. And he may need to be paired with a guy that can get him the ball, that can draw defenses to him. And you can have an amazing player that looks like he sucks if he doesn't have the right people around him. Or complimentary. So that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I think I just, I have enough humility that I can recognize I'm very good at these things. I'm not good at these things, it's better to find the right environment or the right people. What's it been like for you then stepping into that chair without your complimentary piece and brand? I know you have another co-host, but you're the guy now. Like Brandon was always, like you said, the light and you could be found, but now you're the light or at least you're the guy that is is put in the chair of, it's a David Green show and then we're going to rotate some people in and choose, I, I'll be, I don't even remember the guy's name. Who's yeah, the Rob. Rob, thank you. Yeah. Um, what's that like for you? What's that been like for you? It's been like a weightlifter that's trying to learn yoga. <laughs> <laughs> it has been painful, good stretchy, yeah, yeah. like not easy, probably good in What's a lot of ways. What's the painful part for you? I don't bend that well. Like I am not a human being that, that naturally wants to get out there and be encouraging and like, we can do this. But do you need to be though? I think in that seat, yeah. yeah. Like I think when people are listening to that podcast, they want to know, they want to listen to someone that makes them believe they could do it too. Are you hearing feedback that uh, they're not getting that from you or that the audience isn't getting that from you? Is that something that people are saying like, hey, where's the positive light in this? I'm getting it more negative. Or No, because I think I've adjusted quite a bit to okay. try to play that role within the podcast. It's just exhausting. Is that going to create willpower? Is this a long term then I for think you? it kind of like rounds me out a little bit just like I'll never be a great yogi yeah. but I can be more flexible than I was when I first started it is this is this something you can sustain long term probably not what does that mean yeah I don't know that yet okay. I don't know what that's going to look like yeah. right but I what I I don't know how it would work out but you have to be true to yourself I can only say something on the podcast I believe right it's so like one area where I notice not really conflict between Brandon and I but maybe five years ago ten years ago you could, it was so easy to buy real estate. Mm. No one knew about it. Yep. It was a big secret. Yep. You, there weren't very many podcasts. The handful that were out there, no one was listening to. Okay. So he could tell someone, quit your job, go full-time in real estate investing. You'll figure it out. And it would actually would probably work mm -hmm. because it wasn't about, can you find a good de deals of all the deals out there? What's the best one? Mm. Okay. Now it's like, there literally aren't deals it's that true. will make money. Right. It's that competitive. Right. So as I look at the same landscape, I see, I don't think it's good advice to tell people to quit their job and go full-time in real estate mm. investing. I think that it's actually better advice to say, supplement your wealth building with real estate as instead of make it your foundation, right? Better advice is pursue excellence at the job you have. Are you giving your best every day at work? Are you being a great steward of the money that you have coming in, right? Like, are you serving your boss the way that you would want to be served or serving your client the way you'd want to be served? And if not, what is it that's in you that stops you from doing it? What are the obstacles that are keeping you from greatness? And are you actually going to challenge those? And I find as people take that path, the doors to get into real estate investing start to open up. The rich get richer. Sure. Okay. Uh, that is an area where who knows how long bigger pockets is going to want me preaching that message because I don't know that like right now they're fine with it. Leadership probably aligns with what I'm saying. Leadership could change. They could have a decision about this new course they want to offer, a product they want to offer, where they need people to want to quit their job and go full-time in real estate investing. I don't own the company, so you have to recognize, like, it's not about me. I'm here to serve them. 
And what? if it gets to the point where my beliefs are getting in the way of where they want to take things, that would put me in that position where I'd, I don't know what I would do yet. Why even do the podcast in the first place? Why is it something that you said, you know what? Yes, this is a good opportunity for me. I mean, there's some obvious stuff like, you know, you become a thought leader. Is it yeah. was raising capital in your mind, was building a building a brand doesn't sound like it was in your mind. But like, why even go into that space, given that your personality isn't maybe naturally fitted for that? It was sort of like whoever's in that seat is wildly influential. OK, everyone's listening to them and they're not just hearing about real estate. We are the filter that that information gets to them through. Mm. Okay, so if you put Grant Cardone in that seat, he's going to filter the information much differently than if you put me or you put someone else. So it felt like many people could be led astray or many people could be put on a good path if I'm in that position, right? Like I will frequently take, David, how do I get nine duplexes so I can retire in two years question? And I will move that into, well, what's motivating you to want to retire in two years? And like, why do, do you want to do that? Or are you just have been told by other people you're right, supposed right, right. to want to do it, right? Yeah. Do you suck at your job and you don't like someone telling you what to do? So you think that real estate's a magic pill that's going to get you out of that position? Because if that's the case, you probably have some demons from lack of like not liking authority or having an authority figure in your life that was abusive that you now just like have carried that around forever. And your desire to get out of the full-time job is indicative of, of a bigger issue that you have, right? Like from that position, there's quite a bit of influence that I can steer conversations into more of the psychological realm, uh, the personal realm, like the stuff that we're learning about here versus the Grant Cardones that are just like, you know what? Don't do that. Give me your money and I'll invest it for you instead, right? Because that's, that's probably yeah, yeah. what would happen if somebody else was in that. So you feel a responsibility in this way to be influential, but it's interesting. So the medium of podcasting, you feel the responsibility of influence, but in the brand building social media world, that that's just not the medium you feel the responsibility of indirect benefits that come from it. Like I build credibility with people because they hear me talk. So that's going to help. They're going to be more likely to choose my real estate team or the one brokerage, our loan company, or like whatever other businesses that I have. The recent revelation I've had was I thought the goal was host the podcast, build businesses to push the, the thing, and that's my job. And in building the businesses, I realized I don't want an identity in this. It is not my thing. I don't enjoy the conflict with the partners that I have. I don't enjoy the constant worry about people came to me with this like pie-in-the-sky hope, and then they got disappointed by somebody down the line that doesn't have the same zeal as I do. And, and like the hurt feelings and broken trust that you have from the people, like it's, that's very difficult to try to deal with. So I'm, I don't know what the answer is, what I'm going to get into, but I am much more, I'm praying and I'm thinking about, okay, these, like these businesses could be a passive thing that happens. It can't be where I build my identity. I still see an identity as educating people on real estate. And by that, it's almost, it's almost issuing the warning that the white walkers are coming Yeah, and you need to get very serious about how you're going to prepare for that. Your, your tactic, or not, uh, tactic is the wrong word. That feels more intentional. Approach, maybe. Your approach is, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, encouragement through discouragement. In a sense, yeah. And, and all with the goal of if you get serious about addressing your finances, it will open up doors about your personal life. That's really all that matters. Yeah. Like, if you believe in the afterlife, all that matters in this world is who we are that goes into it. You leave all your money behind, okay? Like, of course, we're going to want wealth and health and all the things GoBundance teaches. But, like, once you're dead, all of that is gone, right? Mm-hmm. So I love money. I love fitness. I love jujitsu because it exposes all the effed up things in me yeah. that gives me the opportunity to improve those. And then I become a better person. And then the version of me that's going to be moving on to the next life is going to be a better version than where I am. Wow, man. 
And even if you don't believe in the afterlife, the yeah. version of you that you are is going to make you show up better in your marriage, yeah. better in your friendships, better in everything. And, and you almost don't have to worry about getting all the technical details right of should I be journaling and what should I be doing? How much of it should I do? And it happens because the version of you that you are is going into these situations in a healthier way. Like I, I love money because it is a reflection of our habits and like who and like our habits are born of our identity and who we are. People that save money easily do so for a reason. People that can't save money do so for a reason. Sure. Like it exposes the things that we go through most of our life never really in the same way that relationships do. I'm sure when you got married, you realize things about you that you never Just moving in with her. Just yeah. moving in with her, I realized things about it's me. It's like a mirror, right? Where like all you're now issues that are reflected. Yeah, I, I've yeah. noticed that the more that you achieve, the higher you get in life. Dave Osborne was just talking about this last night. Perfect example. Yeah. He was saying, um, it's nice to be worth $200 million because it affords you the luxury of pontificating, pontificating about the meaning of life. And right. if when you're the dude who's just like working in the coal mine, yeah. you do not know what demons you're carrying around with you because you're just focused on not dying that day. How am I going to put food on the table? As you move up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, huge opens up these doors of yeah. these spiritual matters that I think are very important, right? Like that would be the, that's why I'm addicted to telling people to pursue success. It's not to get everything you want and then just become a hedonist because as you get more things, it opens up these doors about like deep, deep things of yourself that I believe God in heaven as a father cares about from, from his kids. Yeah. It's funny on that point of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, <clears throat> living in the Dominican is like a complete perspective shift because you, I, not, that it's not, not that it doesn't exist, but you don't see depression. And my, my wife and I, she's from there originally. She's like, they don't have time to be depressed, right? Like there, it's survival. It's if I don't do today, then I don't get food. I don't eat. I don't have shelter. We have a nine-year-old boy. Well, we, but we see a nine-year-old boy um, as a, he's a busket boy. He comes over when we stop at a stoplight. He's going through with the busket to wash people's windows and people pay him 50 pesos, a dollar mm -hmm. essentially, right? Like he's nine. He's just trying to like, I got to eat today. That's yep. it. So you don't have time to be pontificating or wondering about how do I feel? What do I, you know, like you're on, you're on that. Yeah, very I was never run. depressed in a, in a foot chase as a cop, right? High speed pursuit. Like not crazy. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And I think if you look at why we have so much craziness going on in society where like everyone wants to protest over everything yeah. or we have this big fight over like, are you a boy? Or are you a girl? Can you pick which one you want to be? Those are only questions that we even have the luxury of asking because we have so much wealth as yeah. Americans. Like we are bored. We've conquered most of the enemies, the enemies of poverty and tigers out there wanting to kill us. And now we almost have to create enemies out of thin air so that we can feel like we have something to do. And it's, it reveals how bad we are that like once we hit this this peak of Maslow's hierarchy, we're now descending into let's go burn buildings and be pissed about something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wounds that are in there personally that only get exposed when you hit affluence. And so I don't know that I'm the same as everyone else. It's like get wealthy and, and get uh, a lot of money so that you can finally like eat better, you know, eat the best foods or or flaunt to everyone else or finally show those people that doubted in you like I'm a somebody. Like yeah. if you get all that wealth and that's what you want to do, you need to heal those wounds of those people that made you think you wanted to prove it. You don't need to go out there and flaunt to make them feel bad. What wounds have been revealed with your wealth, with you being at the tippy top? What wounds are you dealing with? A big one would be like the stuff we talked about earlier, the father wounds, right? Just that. So how does that manifest in insecure? I guess the root of the question is like, where are you insecure today? You've got, you've nailed it as a, as a real estate investor. That's an identity. You said podcasting. You're in the, are you the number one or two business podcast in the world yeah. at this point? Ramsey, you, right? Yeah. I mean, huge. You've nailed it there. You're in this, you're a millionaire. You've got your financial needs complete. You, you know, you've got influence. You've got all of that. So where's the insecurity based on the wounds that have been revealed based? Uh, well, there's a belief that like 
that could all be taken away in a second and you'll be revealed as a fraud. Interesting. Right? Like, yeah. I don't own bigger pockets. I, one, I could cancel culture. One, just change their, the whim. I'm out of the podcast. What am I now? Yeah. I'm right back to just being a guy that owns some real estate that's back to holding open houses again if that's what I'm going to do, right? Like, yeah. unless, unless I take, you know, another path to try to push forward, um, that could be gone in a second, right? So yeah. it's wild, right? That's what like, I was telling you before about uh, moving to the, the ER. I'm six months in, and I'm just, I'm like stopping and saying, I'm working my ass off for fear that all of this thing, like you said, I'm on social. Like there is an ego to that. Like this whole facade comes tumbling down if I don't work my ass off. And even more, like we're both aware of a guy that's been on a bunch of podcasts that's going through a major legal thing right now because his wealth spiked and we're learning that it wasn't maybe in the most uh, legal of ways. That fucked with me. Like it was, it wasn't like I'm doing the things he's doing, but just knowing the individual and being like, wow, that's impressive what he's doing. And then seeing what actually happened. It's like my wife said, she's like, what are you so... Uh, you know, worried about. I'm like, I don't know. I guess like maybe, maybe I look at everything in my life now and wonder like, where am I trusting too much? Mm-hmm. And, and who's going to take me down without me knowing? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, he was our friend. Like right. we bought into that guy. Like I bought a property from him and now yeah. I'm like, am I going to get lumped in with all the stuff he was doing because I'm tied to him? It very well, honestly could be a thing where how that gets spun, boom, everything we're just talking about is gone. Isn't that crazy? One decision that I made that I, with hindsight, never would have thought that that would have been a big thing. None of us, we around him all the time. None of us realized like how severe the situation he was getting himself into could be. And so much of life is just like that. Like it is a, I think it's a false sense of security. A lot of us operate under, especially when you consider how much money the government's printed. That's made a lot of us feel wealthier than we are. I was, I was looking at how fast GoBundance has grown, right? (laughs) Part of it is people hearing about it on the podcast. Sure. Sure. But the other part is how much easier it is to be a millionaire now. Like, Inflation has just gone rampant. If you owned a couple, a handful of properties, you probably two, two Airbnbs. You could be a millionaire. Could be right? a millionaire that, that fast. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. So, a lot of us, I think, are operating under this like we're not as secure as what we think that we are. Yeah. And the littlest form of recession exposes that very quickly. Right now, I'm not of the mind to think, okay, we were all frauds. It's just a baseline was set unrealistically. Yeah, right. 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 Exactly. That's interesting. So interesting. God, there was a question in there when you were saying it that I wanted to ask that was really deep and profound. I promise you it was, but it may flutter into the into okay. the abyss for all I, I know. Well, you were, we were talking about um, uh, that person, the insecurity. Oh, I was going to ask, essentially, in, in your case, amazing revelation. Thank you for saying that. Like, I, not even revelation, but vulnerability in saying, now that I'm at the tippy top of Maslow's higher, I, I don't have any needs. They're all right. covered, if you will. The fear is that all goes away. That's a big one. Part of it is, part of that is, is the fear that it all goes away in part because of, you know, the the fear of judgment of that. People are going to see it happen. Meanwhile, you know, we're talking about, you know, the fact that, hey, you know, like, I don't necessarily identify as influence, I have a responsibility and all that. Like, how do we, or how do you, or do you work on this at all? Because I'm struggling with this. How do you overcome that fear, that that judgment fear. Is there a way? Is there a way to overcome? Ju- so let's say we do lose it all. Yeah. Let's say we're exposed for being shitty real estate investors unknowingly. Like, oh crap! Yep. I didn't realize I I did all this. I thought it was the path, and it just fell down on me. Do you do any work on this? Do you have any recommendations or thoughts, or how do you rectify in your brain if you can at all? Maybe you don't know the answer. Oh, I've been thrust into this. The yeah. last. So not everyone knows this story. About eighteen months ago. There was a guy in Florida that figured out the name of one of my LLCs, which really, like, it's not like this is super confidential information. I don't know the names of lots of guys' LLCs. Well, the state of Florida has a website that manages their legal entities, sunbiz.co, 
And that website had a glitch that would allow anyone to log in and edit other people's legal documents. Oh, shit. You couldn't take it. You couldn't, like, delete information. Right, right, right. You could add to it. So he went in. He added himself as a manager to my <laughs> LLC. He found a notary to forge my signature, and he, he transferred title of 25 properties I had in North Florida to his LLC. He then started selling them to people as a wholesaler. Holy crap. So I get notified by these people that are like, this still seems too good to be true. This guy's trying to sell me three houses for 60 grand. I did a title search. It looks like you owned them a couple months ago. Do you know him? And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, right? right? Well, he had been doing this to quite a few other investors in that whole area. We got the police involved. It took them forever to actually like, uh, put a case together against the guy to arrest him. So for nine months, I lost control of almost all those properties. Wow. Property manager's like, David, I believe you, but this guy's got a deed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, he's going to the tenants, the, the, not the property manager, the, vic- the suspect here, and he's telling them, I own this property. Give me your rent. <laughs> The tenants are freaked out because he's showing up with like thugs with guns trying to shake him down. Oh, so shit. They just move out of the houses. Oh, my God. Yeah. Crackheads are moving into the houses. My ACs are being stolen. The copper's being stolen. They're completely destroying these things. Like, it is a disaster. I had hired two new employees to help me manage my portfolio. Both of them got brought to their wits end and ended up quitting because it was so much stress trying to like oh get them moved out of like trying to get title back. It was horrible. So we finally, he goes to jail. The judge it returns the, the stuff to me, and there was a guy in GoBundance that connected me with the hedge fund, and I was like, I'm selling the whole thing before someone else can get in and do this again because the state of Florida had told us, sorry, but we're not going to – there's nothing we can do. I was going to ask, like Florida uh, – they didn't get involved financially. What they said – no, not at all. They were like, hey, we got this on the docket sometime in 2023 to vote on if we want to change how the website works, but until then, there's nothing working. Oh, you got to love government. I had gone to the county assessor's office and was like, hey, can you not, can you put a red flag on this that no title can be transferred at all unless I specifically come there to do it? And they're like, no, we can't do that. Like, if somebody brings us the documents that are signed, we have to (laughs) record under. It was terrible, right? Holy shit. So it it, it cascaded into this disaster that I've fallen now into that ties into it could all be taken away. Right, right, right. So I sell them, I get forced into a 1031 exchange just as rates are going up and the market's going down. And I'm like, this is the worst time to go buy more real estate. I wanted to wait to see what would happen, but I had to go do the 1031. Things popped up in the 1031 that the QI didn't tell me about, and I realized on day 44 that all these properties that I had identified weren't going to be able to work. I was only allowed to identify $8 million worth of real estate, but I had about $3.5 million that I had to invest. So I had one day to give, me my, to give them my new list of properties that I could identify, but if you identify something and they can't put it in contract, you just won't be able to complete your 1031. Right. So I had to go in a whirlwind of a 24-hour period where I put every property in contract that I could so that the stuff that I identified was actually something I could close on. Mm. So I bought a whole bunch of real estate. It was an incredibly stressful day. Just like someday maybe we could talk about what that experience was like. Yeah. Uh, close on all these deals. I bought a couple more after that because I got to know these different markets. I bought like 18 houses within a period of maybe 60 days. Um, What I didn't realize was how much red tape and complications the cities were going to give me to Mm. get construction permits issued, short-term rental permits issued. I ran into a series of neighbors that are absolute hell spawn that have made it miserable to get any of this stuff done. Long story short, I've got about seven properties that are ever, all of them are somewhere between 800 grand and 2.4 million. So probably on average about $10 million of real estate financed at eight to 9% interest rates. 
that are creating zero revenue yeah, for sure. like six months now. Yeah. So it's like 150 grand a month that I'm throwing away. That like I just nothing I could do to get revenue coming back in. Okay. Then I find out that the escrow company missed a lien on that portfolio that I sold. And I owed another five hundred and fifty thousand dollars that I shouldn't have had to invest. And now there's a late fee on getting it paid off to six hundred fifty thousand dollars. So like all this money that I had set aside in reserves gone, yeah. right? And then I could keep giving you stories. I had a pipe burst in one of these properties. I bought it from the guy that owns the Atlanta Hawks. Property sitting in about a foot of water for a week. Completely destroyed floors, subfloors. The guy I interviewed in Austin that owns the Atlanta Hawks or a different guy? Mm, I, I don't think... How many guys own the Hawks? I guess they could have a There's leadership like four group. or five different I'd guys, have to yeah. talk to the agent to find out which one it was. <laughs> I'm just curious, but yeah, I'm it sorry. It be the same guy. Yeah, like that would be something. Like, <laughs> that would be. You'd be pissed because this was like his family's like getaway cabin. Oh, no, right? I don't think that's him. Yeah, got so it. So a lot of these properties I'm buying are like very sound buys. They all... When you looked at what I paid versus what they appraised, I made over a million dollars in equity. Wow. I was, everything was going great. Yeah. And then this happens. The reserves are gone. Issues are happening. I can't get the things paid off. I mean, I haven't even given you the long list of stuff that went wrong, but every single day, new problem coming up. Like, mm. And then this is as rates are going up. So now I'm trying to refinance these properties. And it's like, sometimes I'm getting almost like only an 11% interest rate. It's the only thing I can get to be able to finance this. Wow. The real estate team sales stop. The mortgage company sales stop. No one's buying real estate right now. Like, it goes from you. You can't miss. You're on top of the world. To I can't stop this avalanche right. of problems that are coming, and it's just burning through all the reserves. There's, there's like nothing I could do. So I'm forced to be thinking these questions. You're thinking is like, yeah, well, yeah. What, what if it does get fallen apart? Like, and and the worst is you're helpless to stop it. It's not like. There's something I could do that I'm just doing wrong. What scares you the most, though? Is it the personal loss of wealth and freedom, or is it the judgment, or both? The judgment, yeah. The judgment. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. I've me. lived such a... Personally, financially, I still drive, like, a 2016 Camry. Still, I'm surprised. You don't come across to me as a guy who really gives a shit about what somebody thinks of you. Not a bit. I give a shit what they think about my character, but I, I don't need a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, that type of thing. Yeah. No, like, the, the clothes that you saw me wearing yesterday, I've had those sweatpants for, like, eight years. Right. I probably wore them to every single GoBundance yeah, event. I lived in Boston ten, uh, six years yes. ago. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, it's not like, oh, my God, my whole lifestyle is going to change. I don't live a very luxurious lifestyle. It is the, are people going to lose faith in me? Anybody. You're happened? talking general public. Yeah. Family, friends, but general yeah, public. Yeah, because you're not going to tell the whole story that I'm telling you to every single person that you find, right? And then the situation with the individual that we talked about, like, how is that going to get spun? How am I going to get lumped into what happened with that person? Yeah. And how am I going to like manage this asset that I bought from him, assuming he was going to be there to help me figure this thing out? Well, now we're obviously we're not talking to that person, right? Like, and there wasn't a decision I made that was like this was a really dumb thing. I slept with another guy's wife. No, or like, no. some site had a glitch and someone took advantage, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And when you're in that elevated position, you just become a target for a lot of stuff. And I think part of why I don't identify as an influencer is I'm just like I don't want. I have to live my whole life always worrying about like what's the little tiny thing that could happen that could cause the whole thing to collapse. Now, I do think that what will probably happen here, I don't know, is my identity is being broken off of the guy who's really good at investing in real estate, the guy who makes a lot of money, and it's moving into something different. I don't know what that's going to be. Mm, you could sense it, though. Yes. Yeah. And I almost see these things as like divinely inspired. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes back to your faith. Yes. I can't just shift my fingers and say, I want a new identity. It doesn't work that it's way. It's incredible awareness, though. Is that, uh, how do you, is that just faith? 
That's I think it. that comes from, yeah, I yeah. think like prayer meditation. God is the one that was like, okay, David, you want to out of the position you're at. I know you want more, but you can't really let, who's going to let go of all of this just to say, I'm just going to do another thing. I don't have that much faith, right? right. Maybe he makes this happen to make it easier to break that identity. Maybe he doesn't. And there's actual evil forces that are working against me and he's going to use that to make it, but I don't know. Or maybe, to my argument, your identity has already shifted unbeknownst to you and the universe is aligning around something else and destroying what was. Ah? I, no, I think what you're saying could absolutely, yeah, like what are, the two ways of looking is the same, the same thing. Yeah, I know. Right? That's exactly I just like, right. I had a little ego moment there. I just wanted you to give me that. No, I, yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on there, Jamie. I could take another hour of your time because we didn't even get into red pill and some stuff on masculinity. Like, you are layers deeper than I was, honestly, and not... I knew you had depth. I mean, you're a human being, you have depth, but I didn't think we were going here. I thought we would be more in the real estate space and everything. Have you done an interview like this? No, because no one wants to know this. They want me to tell them what the Burr method is. Why? I think it's because the person sees the guy with the big biceps and they just like, well, how do I, how do I get biceps? That's, ah, that's well, all people really care about, right? Circle it back. Let me ask you this just while, in wrapping up. You've been a member of GoBundance for years now. Yeah. Six, five? I, don't, I was with like basically the first year that they had that group. I wasn't there, but I was in the year. Okay. After so what, why do you keep coming back? The friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of my best friends are in this group. The only time I'd see them would be at an event like this. And, um, a lot of them look up to me. Yeah. They're going through similar situations what I'm describing, but they don't want to say that Yeah. because they're shame. You're going to look be down upon. Everyone else is measuring how much their net worth grew by. Yeah. Well, now we're actually coming into a, an era where it might be like it only shrunk by $250,000 this yeah. year. Like yeah. with a lot of guys should be losing stuff on their net worth. And so looking for ways to encourage them, it, it probably means more coming from me than if it was like a guy that they just met in the group and they sit down at the table and they're like, hey, what's going on in your life, right? right. They're not going to want to open up and share Sharing your L's, sharing what's happening, like it will free, just like you heard Pat, what he, what he shared about the, you know, the OCD diagnosis. You could see people in the group that all just wanted to start doing the same thing. Yeah, I've right. got erectile yeah. dysfunction. My wife hasn't touched me for the last six months. You're right. I got a strange kid that's addicted to heroin. It's like, coming up in me. Like, yes. what, what should I be saying here, right? Like, absolutely. That's, it. that's what happens when yeah. someone shares, a, like, no one will be the one to do it. And when someone breaks the ice, boom, everything opens. it all comes out. Yeah. So, like, I come here because when that happens, I want to be there to let them know it's going to be all right, give them advice for what could help, uh, help them understand that like the good to take out of it is the identity shift. Like yeah. you, you could get addicted to making money and you're losing touch with your family and you're coming here to be told you should care about your family, but it's just not enough to make you do it. And then you get a chink in the armor and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel so good anymore. Yeah. It makes it a whole lot easier to pay attention to those other things now. Wow, man. Yeah, you're right about that with, with Pat. Um, it's funny, and just being completely honest, when he said what he said, I thought, Okay, that's not a, to me, that's like, why, why would there be shame in that? Yeah. Right? It didn't feel like something, but for him, he obviously, not shame, but he felt like it's just something I've never told anybody and I wanted to, I wanted to express it here, right? So with him being open like that, you're right, it created this space of like, wow, well, if, it's, if that's not such a big deal to me, the thing that I'm holding on to yep. or things, maybe that's not such a big deal to him or somebody else where I'm fearing that's this so judgment, true, right? Yeah, there, we're fearing judgment of if we admit this thing that's eating us alive, but the people hearing it aren't like, oh my God, we're just like, yeah, like, of course you have OCD. That's how you became the top agent in all of Remax and then all of Keller Williams. You don't do that if you don't have some. And I was like, kind of what Dave Osborne said. Yeah. He's like, selfishly, I benefited from that. Like, he's not looking at Pat with judgment right. whatsoever. Like, and I think it's probably healing for the Pat to see no one looks at me like a freak. Yeah. Right? 
if anything, it probably makes you respect him yeah. more. And it makes you able to be a better friend to Pat. Because if you know this is how his brain works, you know how to be there for him better, right? And then the unintended benefit is everyone else starts opening up and sharing what their thing is. And like, yes, because you come in a thing like this, and it's a big dick measuring contest. Yeah. Like, What's my net worth? What's my fitness level? Do I really want to go do the GB9? Because I'm not going to do what that guy can do. And then Gabe Hamill takes off his yeah, shirt, and you're like, like, oh, I know. God. I know. Right? Like, you can have 12 abs? Yeah. That's exactly right. right. Like, yes. Like, you're... You're simultaneously being encouraged. You can have more of it being shamed that you right? And like <laughs> you it's, don't. It's, it's like this weird push and pull at every Go Abundance event. But when you get the person that shares the L and it's someone that everybody respects, that to me is the key that opens up like, okay, I, I want to look like Gabe Hamill, but it's okay that I don't. Right. Right. And if yeah. Gabe shares where he's struggling, you're like, oh. Well, I was really envious of how you look, but now I actually have compassion for you because right. you're struggling in this other area that I'm actually doing good in. And it, it, the whole group benefits when we, when we do that. Wow, man. All right. Well, maybe I'll have you on again in the future if you're ever willing to. But course, holy man. crap, this is amazing. Where can people follow you? Kind of the standard ending. Yes. Uh, I'm on all social media at David Green 24 And now my YouTube channel is the same way. So you can go to YouTube.com slash at little at sign David Green 24 What's the 24? That's a funny question, actually. It was my basketball number in high school. Oh, I had no cool. idea I was ever going to be famous. Where did 24 come from? Uh, Were you following I was a player? 12. Yeah. My dad was number 13. I was number 12. When I was a freshman, two of us were picked to be the first guys on the team. So, like, the way the coaches would work is you'd go to tryouts, and at the end of the tryouts, they'd say who the team was. But, like, throughout, they might say, take the guys who they thought were doing great. Yeah. And you're on the team now as, a, as like, a sign to everybody else. Be like them yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was me and him. We both won at 12. And I just was like, oh, I really want it. But his name was Evan. I was like, I'm going to let Evan have it. And 24 seemed like – my dad was one three, so then two four, and it was twice twelve. So I just wow, there was a lot. I, I thought maybe it was like I followed the Latrell Sprewell in college. Oh like, no, you, have, you I think that was the number. You have that much detail into yeah. how you got twenty four layers. So it's that. funny is there's so much detail in it, but then when it was like picking my my social media handle, <laughs> someone had David Green, and I was like, I never thought I would. I didn't really want a social media. I never got one until. I was like, until it's on the podcast almost. Yeah, sure. So I just threw the only number that separated me. It was like, what am I going to be David Green for? Yeah. So I, and then now it's everyone asks that question. Like, is this because you work 24 hours a day? Is this a Kobe Bryant thing? And I wish it was a story that cool. Mamba mentality. Yeah. No. Well, it's a pretty interesting story. Though. There's a lot of depth to it. So, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. This yep. is incredible. Yeah, Jamie. Appreciate you.